1: Baseball
2: conversation all year long on a Saturday morning. Ooh, that was a rough Cubs loss uh, to begin a nine game stretch that everyone has properly said is crucial on the doorstep of the one and only trade deadline and those Cubs problems look like the same ones we've known about for a long time. Good morning, Bruce Levine.
3: Good morning, Matt Spiegel. This is Inside the Clubhouse. Matt and I will be with you until 11 o'clock talking baseball. Then Rosie and Matt take over from there. 312-644-6767 is our number to get in to talk. Cubs, Sox, trading deadline, everything baseball here. Text Matt at 67011. By the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse, brought to you by Max and Benny's Northbrook, the finest food on the North Shore, the best deli, no doubt, the best bakery without question, the place for parties or business meetings, you bet, 10 to 150 people accommodated, catering is king at Max and Benny's, ask for john at maxandbennys.com, full dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. Every day feature chicken, skirt steak, freshest fish in the city. Corned beef and pastrami to die for. Max and Benny's is known for. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's in Northbrook is where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. Chicago Cubs Brewers. Lots to talk about.
2: Gio Gonzalez was really good. And then he got hurt. Um, the Brewers, by the way, have only two healthy starting pitchers right now and Chase Anderson and Zach Davies, but the Cubs couldn't do anything with Gio Gonzalez. And then pitching-wise, Kyle Hendricks was good through five and then gone after that, leaving you four innings to get through with the bullpen, and the failures were there again in the eighth inning. Pedro Strope, I think Joe Madden wanted to give Pedro Strope a night off. But then he eventually went well, to him I think anyway. He,
3: I think he did have the night off. <laughs> <laughs> nine, 90 pitches for Kyle Hendricks. Ugh. Matt, uh, he had a shutout through nine. Now, we know Kyle has had incremental increases in uh, time out there since his injury. But let's, uh, let's listen to uh, Kyle Hendricks and Joe Madden.
2: Yeah, because I think that that move, losing Kyle after five, exacerbates issues that we knew were there last night, and you rightly pointed out there was more in the tank. Here's Joe and then Kyle talking about him being done after 5.
1: Joe and I discussed it, um, and yeah, he knew too. I I had a little bit left, but that's a tough part in the ballgame right there, and that's just nationally game how it works, you know. So, uh, again, kind of switching the rotation around late and being I'm being on five-day again, going into St. Louis with the off day. Just thought it was best to uh, do that and give Schwartz a chance there to extend the lead. He
0: was at 90 pitches right there, and uh, he's going to be back on regular rest. They had Yalich Grandal, and Nustakas
1: coming up, so it worked out well.
2: Uh, Joe Madden's saying it worked out well, but he used the one and only lefty right there in that inning, and Kyle Ryan did his job, but he's got no other lefties for the rest of the right. ball game.
3: So, you know, the team construction at this point – the fact that uh, Derek Holland was traded for, but not uh, able to get there that quickly after uh, he was notified of the trade from the Giants, uh, the fact that they had already uh, sent a left-hander back to the minor leagues a, a couple of days earlier, um, all went for you know the, the best uh, second guess in the world right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can look at the fact that Yelich, uh, there wasn't a left-hander to face Yellich. Uh, when he drove in the first run for the Brewers, and there wasn't a, a left-handed uh, answer when uh, Strope was certainly struggling uh, and uh, giving up the lead.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm looking higher right now than Joe. It's very easy and very popular, and we have done it a lot, and there's lots of reasons and times to look at Joe. <clears throat> but you said it on the construction. Everybody knew how important this nine-game stretch was, and you go into it with one lefty. I mean, it's like... And how, how do you, you go into it with one lefty and you go into it, frankly, with the same problems that we've known have been there since the offseason. A bat or two that can make contact and diversify the lineup, Bruce, and then high leverage bullpen arms. We've known they've needed this since November. And here we are two days before the deadline and those remain the needs.
3: The, the biggest problem, I, I feel, uh, well, there's two things. One, you and I talked about it before we came on. Uh, Pedro Stroop, um not being Pedro Strope any longer at this point in time. That's a final
2: straw that the bullpen couldn't survive, <laughs> right. isn't it?
3: Right. But, I mean, he has been such a warrior for the last five years for the Cubs, arguably the best and most consistent relief pitcher that they may have had in their entire history for this period of time. I mean, you look at closers like Suter and Smith, and they were certainly Hall of Famers and very consistent there. But as far as a utility-type uh, Setup man slash
2: tremendous career, yeah. I as mean, a he's, Cubs. he's
3: just been phenomenal, but uh, with three significant hamstring injuries since uh, last year, um, that has made him an upper body pitcher. And upper body pitcher throws with his arm only, uh, that's limited stroke from being able to command his pitches. So when you see Pedro's stroke come into a ball game and his first pitch hits the batter in the box, okay, in an important situation. The first thing Joe did was turn to Harvi and say, get them up in the bullpen mm-hmm. because he knew right away that Pedro Strope wasn't ready to go out there and pitch with command. Right. He
2: had Rowan Wick getting right. up behind him, right. and Rowan Wick but, comes but out and does it after. One
3: pitch, yeah. one hit batter, it was like, this isn't Pedro. We know he's he's not ready to – throw he's not going to be able to command because he knows right away he knows Pedro Stroh for five years now so that was that the other most important significant thing for me Matt yeah is the the failure of Carl Edwards and how they looked at him as a righty that got out lefties and righties that was a setup man that they could trust against left-handers that kind of all went away during the playoffs of two thousand and seventeen against washington and
2: yet here we are two years later, right. and he 's been given every chance to be trusted again and again and again they 're done they 're done now, trusting him
3: of course, and but finally, but, but what happened was he lost his confidence mm-hmm. okay he was always just a stuff guy, you know, and, and he had great stuff, but once he lost his confidence and has not regained it, and now his fastball is two or three miles an hour or less, uh, you have a significantly different pitcher so. That and the fact that they weren't able to add more than Brad Brock, obviously in the offseason they had money constraints, uh, that has put the roster where it is right now, where instead of having you know three left-handers, which is a luxury, three good ones, but a lot of teams have had them over the years, you're, you're down to one, and hopefully Holland's going to come in and be a situational left-hander and be able to get people out in that sixth inning so we have Ryan back in the seventh, eighth, and ninth for when you need him for Yellich, and Moustakis over 12 more games against Milwaukee.
2: They told us at the beginning of the year, Bruce, and all of that, by the way, it's completely on, especially the Edwards part. In fact, before I say what they told us, I'm relieved finally, and it took this long, but that Edwards goes back to the minors this week and Joe says, quote, there's something missing there. He can still be a top reliever, no question, but again, when we talk feel what we're seeing right here, it doesn't appear that's on the horizon for him to have feel. For us to get where we want to go, we can't have that right now. So, like, finally, it seems like Joe has lost the confidence or lost the desire right. to keep pushing that issue. It's it's a couple years late. Well,
3: I mean, and Epstein and Hoyer, you know, they're great baseball people. They see what he sees. They're not going to force him to, you know, he comes in after going through rehab and he he hits a guy, he walks a guy, gives up a hit. You know, it's like... Hey, we're in a pennant race now. There's no no time for player development for a guy that's been with the team for for four years now. Uh, no time for for you, Ian Hap, coming out of spring training. Mm-hmm. We're in it to win, and I, I admire all the the Cub executives and Joe because they're not uh, they're not going to be bogged down by somebody's ineffectiveness, uh, and because they've done something and been a part of something in the past. To uh, They're not going to look past that now. They, they have to deal with the reality.
2: Well, and it's time for Pedro Strope to not be used in these situations. Unfortunately, look, it's the highest hard contact rate of his career this year at 35%. The lowest soft contact rate of his career at 10%. The fastball velocity is down. Uh, yeah, it's significant. And, uh, the, right? And the confidence in it is down. His command of it is down. And he's throwing that slider or cutter, as they, if you want to combine them, at 59%. So he is throwing that pitch that they want him to throw more. It's just that he has no fastball command or effectiveness or confidence. And so you can't keep putting him out there you in know, these moments. Can you?
3: Muhammad Ali fought uh, four fights uh, extra that he should have. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Strope is beat up. He know? is beat up. And I mean, he's, he's
2: such a such a strong-minded he's, vet that I mean, keeps I mean, giving he's, him chances to do He's been a it.
3: terrific pitcher for him. But right now, you have to deal with the here and now, and he's not getting it done. And, you know, Kinsler has been their best uh, reliever. Ciszek has 80 under his belt from last year, probably almost half the same amount percentage-wise this year. You know, these guys are bullpen guys. They're going to wear down. And mm-hmm. uh, I think – I think we're going to talk about you know trade possibilities for the Cubs and Sox and what they're looking at. The, the Cubs they don't they don't need just another left-hander. They they need more fortification if they can get it.
2: They talked about at the beginning of the year that Theo said, "Hey, you know, we got a lot of guys, some down at AAA, some others. All we got to do is find eight guys to have good years." They've used 16 different guys out of the bullpen already. Yeah. 16.
3: Yeah, I mean most most teams uh, that are going to be in it probably going to have to use it's close to twenty guys, you know, uh, and this was this hasn't all been about injury. It's been about ineffectiveness uh, and injuries. So th- those are the, it's a lethal combination. Uh, yet they're a game out. So uh, even though uh, in Cub Nation it's doom and gloom, mm-hmm. um, they are equal or better to uh, what the competition is in their division. Maybe in the National League, other than the Dodgers in Atlanta, they're as good as any team. So there's time for this to be turned around and uh, dealt with. And, you know, if they just could envision themselves at home every game when they're on the road, you know, maybe the, you know, the John Bakers of the world can trance them into uh, thinking they are on the road at home. Instead, They're 19 and 30 now on the road.
2: Woof. 19 and 30 on the road. Uh, Look, the offense was brutal last night. It's the first hit of the game against Gio Gonzalez and then a home run from David Bodie, and that's it for the offense. So it's not just the bullpen, but there's issues all over the place. We've got Tommy Hadovy to play for you about Pedro Strope, but we got a lot of phone calls from people who want to talk about this stuff as well. So why don't we take some calls and some texts here, Bruce Levine? Six seventy eleven is how you. Text us. Uh, Now you've got a chance to call 312-644-6767. Let's start with David in Elk Grove on line three. David, what's up? You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning.
1: Hey, hey, guys. Bruce, hey, guys. How are you? Uh, I don't want to spend too much time in that game last night, but obviously the umpiring didn't help Hendricks. I mean, there were some strikes that that forced this man to throw an extra six, seven pitches an inning, which made the decision tough for for Madden, uh, whether you leave him in for six, but that's besides the point. There's a cultural issue. I don't know about you guys. The other point I want to make, you know, everybody has personal problems in their life, but this idea of professional athletes to not to fulfill their commitment of their contracts with their baseball team because they're having problems at home with their wife, It's a Zobris business, like, he's going to be the savior when he shouldn't have been gone to begin with. annoys the heck out of me. David, that's uh, – I'm sorry. I'm
2: sorry, man. Really, there's so much to talk about, and you're going with a guy who's got serious life issues to sort out, who is on his way back, by the way. He's going to come back. Uh, We got that news yesterday before the game, Bruce, that uh, Ben Zobris will be returning next weekend. I don't
3: don't know if you go there. You know, obviously, um, when you're in the public light and – so much of this uh, personal stuff comes out in, uh, you're the quality of individual that Ben Zobris has. And I, I think you underline quality of Ben Zobris. This is not just your common guy, but this is, you know, an above board guy, um, you know, a pleaser on so many different levels of his career and, uh, for him not to get the, uh, you know, the nod because of what he's going on through personally to take care of his family. Um, yeah. I'm not with you. Uh
2: and it's not it's not his fault that Daniel Descalso has been right. a disaster offensively, right. that Addison Russell right. has not figured it out at all offensively. No, no, I,
3: I, but again, the point the point is is that you can't count on Ben Zobris to do much for or anything for you at this point. That's it's just a nice story that he's gonna come back. But counting on him to be anything but a nice little extra piece that you get uh, toward the end of uh, August or early September, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's fool's gold.
2: They have until the thirty first of August uh, to bring somebody up and put them on the active roster if they want to use them for the playoffs. If if the playoffs uh, indeed are going to come, it, uh, his one point in the strike zone though, I will say that that umpire was pretty damn brutal. Adrian yeah, Johnson, I, I believe, is the name. Brandon Kinsler struck out. Exactly, Thames right with the zero two pitch to yep. Eric Thames. That should be strike three. Instead, he's got to throw six more pitches. Uh, He hits Eric Thames with the ninth pitch of the at-bat. Six extra pitches, and the hit-by-pitch completely changes the complexion of that inning. You might never get to stroke. Kinsler might finish the inning.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you, but, you know, again, we're not changing umpire's calls at this point. You know, you just have to proceed through it, and they were not able to. The fact that they're scoring... Just a couple runs and a game off of Gio Gonzalez. I think uh, that's a point missed here. You know? Yeah. Um, he was revving up to 89-90 out of the zone. You know, the, um, Madden talked about that, you know, after the game. You know, he's, he wasn't blowing people away. People were getting themselves up. Uh, they struck out 12 times and walked once.
2: Yeah, brutal. And and high fastballs, high fastballs up right. and, and, and away. And Ian Happ sent down to work on exactly that, and it was there in his first at bat. <laughs> there was, he is.
3: That was one of the twelve, but there <laughs> oh, there were there were eleven others that uh, struck out. So, and you can't talk about them being tired at this point because they had a day off. So, uh, again, you know, should they be scoring two runs off of the Brewers with uh, Geo out there and him almost no hitting them, you know, for? you know, going to the sixth inning. Certainly not.
2: three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. 44 67 67 It feels distressing, Bruce, because it's the same stuff we've been talking about. And here we are at this big moment, and it remains the same stuff.
3: I mean, they, they have a wonderful team, good players. They're just, as Joe said from day one, even from spring training, I don't see separation between uh, the teams. You know, he, he predicted this mm-hmm. all the way through April, you know, the end of May, you know, now in July. He said, this is going to be what it is. You know, it's going to be a dogfight all the way. And I don't, I don't see it separating itself at this point. It's inside the
2: clubhouse. We're going to talk to Mark Redzelanick at the bottom of the hour, the uh, manager of AAA Charlotte for the White Sox, where Tim Anderson is rehabbing.
3: And Luis Robert has been tearing it up. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that in the White Sox uh, player development system.
2: 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. This hour is being brought to you by Team Hochberg. Visit their new website, 56david.com. That's 56david.com. Keep it right here on the score. Welcome back on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. I'm, I'm surprised, Bruce. Maybe it's because I'm not around here every day as much as I used to. But, boy, there's a lot of people agreeing with that caller about Ben Zobrist. He could be at work, says a texter. Men are going through family issues like this every day, still must come to work and get a paycheck. The score is the voice of the fan, and you cut that caller short when many of us agree with him. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's borderline... Um, moronic and certainly completely insensitive to not understand the situation that the guy is trying to establish custody over his kids for the rest of their life as a father he's stepping up as a dad and he's yeah he's fortunate to have the money and the wherewithal and the employer to give him a, a, an opportunity to do it but i mean he's stepping up to try and be of the best father he can be and yet there's a lot of people who uh really are upset that he's not at work
3: well, I don't think you need a better perspective than knowing that uh, uh, the money is not the issue for him. Obviously, it'll be about eight million dollars that he didn't take. And I know people will say, "Well, you know, I fight for you know my twenty-dollar an hour job, and I can't I can't take any time off." And that that's real. I mean, I don't I don't argue with that. I don't argue with the, you know the great people that listen to this show and and what the human struggle is on a daily basis. This is just. You know, sports and the money they make and the fact that this guy's career is over at 38 and he's not playing after this year, he's Mm -hmm. done, Um, you know, there's a different perspective. So when you try to compare it to everyday life, uh, it, you know, leaves people, you know, feeling like, you know, you know why? Why can't you show up for work? You know and, and figure these things out just like we do. And
2: I understand a lot of people have to. I, I I've been there. I have absolutely been there with family issues and custody issues yep. and all of that, and having to show up and go to work every day. But if I could have taken some time to sort everything out, I would have.
3: I, I would say that, you know, again, Ben Zobrist, you know, is has earned so much respect uh, from what he's done. The the journeyman type player into a a valuable player the guy that told me that from the time he was eight years old on he's never been the best player on his team ever that means even in you know Mm t-ball you know back in the day and that he's every man is uh as far as the type of player he's become the individual he's been the the life that he's tried to lead by example of, of being a ball player and a good guy. His life blew up in his face. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, and it's so public that uh, there, there's no getting your head around it other than the fact that, you know, people say, look, he he needs to go to work just like we do. We have the same problems. Some of them are a lot more, uh, but he's earned everything that he's gotten in his life and his career. So, I think he gets a hall pass for some of that.
2: Yeah, and uh they they're not in limbo um in terms of knowing what's happening. He is now coming back. Next weekend he'll play in a bunch of minor league games in August and we'll see if he will uh join the Cubs sometime in September yeah. and would be a welcome addition to the lineup, that's for sure.
3: I just don't, I think, you know, when I compare our lives to athletes, I think I think you get lost, you know, you're 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 done, you know. You you there is no Comparing, you know, the everyday guy to athletes because it's a different world they live in. And it's a very short existence as well. There's
2: a lot to talk about with both ball clubs and both sides of town as the trade deadline approaches. Uh, Eloy Jimenez uh, did some pregame work yesterday and will probably be back pretty soon. I want to know about Luis Robert, who is the most interesting, in my mind, of all the young uh, talented position players in the White Sox well, system. Well,
3: we can do that because Mark Grzelanek, the AAA manager for the Chicago Sox at Charlotte, nice enough to take some time out from his Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Grud. How are you?
1: Guys, how are we doing? I'm doing well. We're
3: doing good. Thanks for doing this. I mean, uh, you know, I know uh, the grind in the minor leagues is no different than at the major league you know, level. It's, uh, it's a grind every day, and to get up early and join us, appreciate it very much. Let's let's start with uh, Tim Anderson, who's been there for a few days. Uh, took a day off and uh, was there to uh, to rehab uh, this ankle. W- where, what have you seen from Tim uh, over these couple days? How uh, how game ready do you think he is to uh, come back to the White Sox?
1: Yeah, Tim's been awesome. <clears throat> he's uh, uh, been with us for a couple days now, and uh, he's at that ten or twelve at bat. Uh, you know, it's been a few. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the time, but it's been over a, a good six, eight weeks, I believe, with his injury. So he uh, he looks good, though, at the plate. He looks very good. He's a little tentative with that ankle. But, again, that's just the confidence that will come each day, and he'll get stronger and stronger. Um, but uh, I see him feeling uh, surprisingly, looking surprisingly well at the plate. Um, he came off and, and swinging the bat really, really well. Uh, the first few games, and uh, he looks good up at the plate. Uh, Running-wise, too, hit a double the other night, and, and uh, watching the whole way didn't have any, any inclination of any kind of uh, ankle problems at all. So that was nice to see. So uh, I'd say another couple of days he should be ready to go with some at-bats, and uh, uh, I like where he's at.
3: Greg, you were a middle infielder, shortstop coming up, second baseman, both during a lot of your career. Because of the athleticism that Tim presents with his particular type of game and the extra movement, because of his background as far as basketball into baseball, is it a more difficult process on the uh, on that side of it to come back because of all the extra movement that he makes playing defense?
1: Yeah, that that that's definitely a strong possibility, it, you know, and it, it's his back leg, meaning that it's his his his, his right ankle and. He's always pushing off and that's where he gets a lot of his force from, um, you know, and uh, that direction when he does throw, he swap his feet, you know, and, and he goes through that defensive motion out there. Um, you know, again, it's just a, a confidence thing knowing that uh, he can trust it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it looks once he gets past that point where he done something during the game in the game where you can't. You know, manipulate that in, in in fundamentals or in stretching or practicing or you know whatever you do pregame. It's always that spur of the moment reaction time thing. That once he gets through that and and feels that, and uh, I, I think then you'll see him uh, really comfortable and get rolling.
2: Saw a picture of of Tim posing with Luis Robert, um, and a lot of White Sox fans were. Very excited. Saw one guy tweet, hey, uh, Tim, put him in your back pocket and uh, bring him back up here as soon as your, <laughs> your rehab stint is done. Uh, wh- what's it been like for you to uh, receive this player, Luis Robert, as a guy that you get to manage and to watch his overall skill set and athleticism? Wh- what's that been like to watch and to manage, Mark?
1: Well, it, it's pretty impressive to see this young man come in. Uh, number one, you don't see it too often when you see a 21-year-old in, in the 3A level. So, uh, you know, watching him in spring training a little bit, um, you know, he's 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 a specimen to say the least. Uh, he has all the tools, uh, you know, and and it, it is something that is uh, like I said to get to this level at that young age. Um, he he is someone special, and it's it's not you know anybody can see that, but it's just developing it, maturing as a player, understanding situations. Uh, getting better in the little things of the game because the raw part of the game with his ability, his size, the way he hits the ball, the way he runs, the, I mean, everything's there. So he, he's going to be in this game for a long time. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a blessing to see the young kid like this uh, uh, with that kind of ability. And uh, it, it, it's, it's a joy to coach him. It's a joy to manage him. He is uh, a great kid. uh you know, responds really well, and, and is just up for the challenge of learning every possible angle of this game.
2: You, you know, Mark, he's a certain kind of prospect, one of those five-tool guys that just gets it gets you sort of excited about what the possibilities could be. Who's, who's the best five-tool athlete you played with? I mean, those those early Dodgers teams in the two thousands, you had Beltre and Sheffield and Sean Green. I mean, you played with some incredibly good players.
1: No question about it. You know, you you go back to the Guerrero, Vladimir, and, uh, you know, these are all the guys that are just uh, phenomenal players, and and you don't see them a lot. You don't see them too often come through the system, and when you can – when, when, when you hit a home run and, and uh, saw this kid at a young age and develop like that, and uh, you know, you just never know. But uh, you know, as he gets older, it, it's it's fun to watch. And and now now the, the biggest part of it is is just absorbing the game, learning the game. And the only way you can do that is just playing it each and every day, and understanding it, talking to him, and 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 just learning each and every day.
3: Dylan Cease came through the system uh, through you this year. Um, what did you see from uh cease as far as uh command issues and stuff i mean the the raw stuff we know is you know it's it's pretty impressive, and the kid seems to be pretty impressive but what were your observations on dylan and uh and what what are your expectations of him uh here right now? We saw him uh, get roughed up for five runs yesterday in one inning and then come up and throw three innings uh and throw you know shut shut him out the next three
1: yeah you know and and that's the thing when you get uh you know younger guys that are learning and still adjusting and 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 really still trying to uh command all pitches and and the, it's a challenge for these guys especially uh, uh, you got to understand it's 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 a huge jump from 3A to the big leagues and and having the best players and the best hitters and you make some mistakes and you get behind some hitters you're you you know if you don't if you can't make and command pitches you're going to have trouble that's all there is to it so uh, it, it's a, like I said, it's a learning process for these young kids to understand how to go about their business, to really perfect their stuff, and and I, I mean really narrowing it down to hey, I got to command my fastball, I got I got to be able to throw an off speed pitch over when I want to at any time and any count, and and if I can't consistently do that, you're gonna have problems. at sometimes, and 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 that's what you're seeing. So, uh, you know, again, he's young, he has a huge upside, and, and he's only gonna get better.
2: And Mark, when you are, uh, when a player comes to you and he's been with Omar at Birmingham or he's been down at, at Winston-Salem, are, are you given specific instructions or specific details on what to work on with the guy? I'm wondering about the cohesiveness of the system and the development in that way.
1: Oh, absolutely. We, we are on it. Uh, you know, our, our director, Chris Gratz, is, is very instrumental in, in the information that we pass along to every level and every player uh we understand what works for them and 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 uh what they've been doing process wise and preparation wise and if not we make sure we correct that as soon as possible but uh for the most part everything is 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 logged in and and uh processed in, in in a site that we get on as managers and coaches to to make sure we are on the same page and when guys get uh you know promoted or demoted they they uh, the information passed right along to them, and they don't miss a beat as far as moving forward and, and uh, working on the things that they uh, uh, either we have to finish or the process that we need to go forward with.
3: Mark Reselanic with us uh, for just one more minute. Mark, uh, the AAA manager for the Chicago White Sox at Charlotte. Mark, uh, for a guy that made a lot of contact during his career, like you did, and uh, you know knew how to hit the ball the other way and do the little things. What's the adjustment like for you as a baseball person, let alone as a manager, uh, knowing that the ball is as lively at AAA this year as it is (laughs) in the major leagues and launch angle still is king? How do you adjust Mark Grzelanek, the guy that, uh, you know, looks at the game as a fan and as a guy that, you know, kind of developed through, you know, making hard contact and hitting the top of the ball to a manager that has to deal with the reality of today's game and today's player?
1: Well, I can say I, I, you know, played at the wrong time. I think, but no, it is <laughs> that ball is definitely flying out a little bit differently. Um, there's no question about that. It's obvious with the number of home runs that we've seen, and and the distances of these balls, uh, the way they're traveling off the bat is 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 uh, uh, quite like I've never seen before. So. Um, but no, I, I mean, it, it is adjustment, but you got to understand the personnel you have, what you're working with and, and, and where you got to go about it. In my personal opinion, I, I think there's guys out there that need to, you know, swing and elevate the ball, but then there's guys that need to really focus on, uh, barreling the ball and making contact and doing the little things like, like, like they said, and that's how they're going to get there. Um. There's not that many Pujols and Guerreros out there that that, that you want to elevate balls. Um, and, you know, and, and the bottom line is we need on-base percentage. We need to put the balls in play, and we need to do these little things. There's those home runs, you know, they're definitely coming more on a rapid pace this year. But uh, at some point, uh, you're, you're going to need to get a guy over and get a guy in, and, and those strikeouts are going to really hurt you.
3: Mark, we appreciate your time. Thanks for picking up the phone. Uh, just uh, before we leave – Not a lot of people listening right
1: now. When
3: do you think Louis Robert is going to be ready to uh, join the Chicago
1: Well, that's a good question. I mean, this is a really, really young kid and and actually he hasn't played a whole lot in the system, so um, it's a learning process. Uh, You know, it's hard to put a number on that or or a time frame on that, Um, but uh, once he comes up it's definitely obvious that uh, he's going to stay for a very long time. Uh, He's a he is a tremendous person, as well as he what what he does on the field. So, um, it could be towards the end of this year, it could be next year at some time. I I, I could not say, but there is a lot of the little things that he needs to uh, understand and get better at, and uh, that's just only playing the game. So that that will tell.
3: Grad, we appreciate it very much. Uh, keep up the great work down there at AAA, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you sooner rather than later.
1: You got it. Bruce, Matt, thank you. Enjoy. Have a good day. Thanks, Thanks a
3: Mark. Lot. Mark Grzelanek, AAA manager for the year Chicago White Sox, talking about Luis Robert, Tim Anderson's rehab, all things White Sox. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because White Sox fans are clamoring to have Luis Robert playing every day in center field. Not quite ready yet, though.
2: Well, because of some of the little things he's got to learn, because of some of the things that he's got to figure out in terms of the way that he'll be pitched and attacked, I think he's coming, though, Bruce. I continue to believe that he's going to be here this year. Um, What's the point? The the point is that you're giving him some time to get accustomed to the big leagues while he's here so he can hit the ground running next year in the spring. When Eloy comes back and he's playing left field, give him the opportunity to play next to Luis Robert. That's, he needs a center fielder, a steady center fielder that he's going to be next to with incredible range, and that's going to be Robert. The way that they have dealt with guys like Eloy and Quintana and Sale and everybody in terms of buying out their pre-arbitration years and their service time – I think they have a plan on how they want to do that with Luis Robert. They've already had the $52 million of sunk cost with what they paid as a bonus and what they paid in tax. I think all signs point to might as well do it now.
3: It's a great point you bring up. I, I just think, you know, he's, he's already advanced three levels. Uh, let him, let him do a little bit more player development through, uh, if you want to bring him up in September, that's great. You know, uh, uh, again, if your plan is for sure, that you're going to sign him through his arbitration years and maybe free agency, then mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Otherwise, I'm for bringing him up April 12th, 15th, or 17th next year or whatever it is so you control the seventh year.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. And because he got that big bonus, I don't know if he's as motivated as Eloy was or as some of the other guys maybe, have maybe been yeah. to, to get that preemptive contract.
3: May, maybe not, but, but again, I think it's – incumbent upon the White Sox to make sure that you protect that extra year of uh, player controllability. I think it's very important.
2: Lots to talk about here on Inside the Clubhouse. Um, 312-644-6767. If you've been hanging on and wanting to call up, you can do so now as we talk Cubs, we talk White Sox. We want to talk about the uh, shift in the White Sox front office and the trade deadline approaching for both ball clubs. Right. We're
3: going to uh, give you uh, places that are uh, the White Sox and Cubs are talking to, teams they are talking to, players that may be coming your way, regardless of what you'll hear Jed Hoyer say about the fact that <laughs> we're never right.
2: It's Inside the Clubhouse on 670 to Score. Bottom of the hour was brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz and the 17th ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State, Michigan State, and Iowa. Season and single game tickets on sale now at nesports.com. And it was brought to you by Anthony Buick GMC in Gurney. July is a great time to buy at Anthony Buick GMC. There are over 400 vehicles with huge savings on every Buick. And GMC Truck. GMC, they are professional grade. Anthony Buick, GMC. Visit anthonygurney.com. Uh, some news in the White Sox front office this past week, Bruce. And we have a caller who wants to address it. Gives us a chance to talk about it as well. Mike in Glencoe. You're on Inside the Clubhouse with Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine. What's up, Mike? How are you? Good.
1: Hey, fellas. Bruce, what's your take on the Hostetler move? I think a lot of Sox fans think it's just another one of those sideways ways to fire a guy uh, is it a promotion? Or do they need help to scout people because they clearly can't scout Major League talent? What's your interpretation?
3: I was told, and, you know, I asked that question directly, and, and thanks for uh, the call-in. I was co- told directly, Matt, that um, they wanted to fortify their professional scouts, their Major League scouts, um, they, they have two uh, excellent guys that are g- getting up there in their upper 60s and maybe toward retirement pretty soon. So they wanted to re-energize that area of uh, their major league scouting and that this is not a demotion, but it is a promotion from mm-hmm. Nick, who they feel is a tremendous talent evaluator. So, therefore, uh, they may promote from within, uh, from what I hear, they will talk to some people outside. They may pr- promote from within, but that this is clearly a, a promotion here for Nick, who they feel will be uh, a very valuable major league scout for them.
2: Thanks for the call, Mike. Um, yeah, I, I'm surprised that anyone would have thought that it was a demotion or well, a sideways I mean, you look move. At, you look
3: at the drafts, you know, and the White Sox, you know, have had trouble with their number ones. Not Not that they weren't talented or that they— they shouldn't uh, be picked there, but you know some of them gotten hurt, uh, not, sure. m- not made it through. Uh, the Fulmer pick uh, clearly not what you want.
2: Fulmer Fulmer's a disaster, yeah. uh, with, without a doubt. And there are some picks that are that are problems, but that system is rated very very highly, and a lot of that is Nick, and a lot of that is him also because when they made the move to restructure and kept it the same at the top with Kenny and with Rick. The people that they brought in, like Chris Getz and Nick Hostetler, were trusted on multiple levels and asked to chip in on just about every level. And when you look at the trades that they made with Eaton and with Sale and Quintana, a lot of the guys that they brought back... Were from drafts that Nick Hostetler had been the scout, the scouting director for. A lot of the guys that they picked up were from that first draft that Hostetler was here for. They have used his knowledge and his his thought processes in just about every facet. So they need to ramp up the pro scouting, uh, and and this is this is a good guy to let do it. He has seen very good organizations in, like, like Atlanta. Run things well, and uh, and I think he's going to run things run things very well. It it needs to be modernized, needs to be ramped up, and and I think he's the right guy to do it. And it's, and it's pretty cool for White Sox. I think they should like this move.
3: I think so. I mean, it's not you don't make a guy into an important major league scout uh, unless you have the highest uh, belief in his abilities to scout. And mm-hmm. Nick has that personality as well as the ability to uh, evaluate where he can walk into a major league ballpark go down and talk to a coach or two he knows on the other team. Absolutely. Uh, talk. I mean, that's what Major League Scouting is really all about. It's it's the networking of people around the ballpark on the other team. Uh, people uh, in the media, they know that they, they talk about the players that they're going to go see. Uh, all the best Major League Scouts that I've known over the last uh, 35 to 40 years mm-hmm. all have that ability with a great personality to talk about Uh, to talk to people about uh, the little nuances of kind of the players that they're looking
2: at. Yeah, he's a really good relationship person and people person. Um, by the way, his first draft here was 2016, right? right. So that, so that is after Fulmer then. Yep. So, so he's not responsible for Fulmer. But Madrigal's a guy who's rocketing through the system and is kind of emblematic of the kind of hitter that is not really around these days in MLB but that a lot of people think needs to be around, the kind of guy that the Cubs have been talking about needing, a you know, contact guy who's not going to strike out, that sort of stuff. Um and and, you know and Vaughn people love Andrew Vaughn right now and uh, if Jake Berger wasn't hurt who knows
3: Yeah I mean look it's a it's a hit and miss business but uh, I can tell you that their belief in uh, in him is extremely high and that uh, you know they will continue with most most likely a promotion from within I've I've heard but they will Mm -hmm. you know Rickon will talk to uh, people outside of the. outside of the organization to see if they uh, need to bring someone in from outside. But again, uh, you know, uh, getting, uh, you know, getting your draft picks through. And number one, I think the White Sox very underrated as far as what they've done with their pitching over the years uh, to, you know, they have to wear it for position players. It just hasn't been good. Tim Anderson is the very nice exception uh, in recent years. It's
2: 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. One more hour to go. Lots of conversation regarding the trade deadline in both clubs in town. Your phone calls welcome at 312-644-6767. Keep it right here on 670 The Score.